Hey guys, Craig here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. Today we'll be speaking with Sam Rolfe. Now Sam is the 2017 Supercoach winner. He defeated over 130,000 people in this competition. And he talks about his strategies on how he won this title. Also talk about his health issues. We also talk about his uh, passion and love for the Parramatta Eel. But before we go, please go to our website. We're at Podbean. Tell Craig your story at podbean.com. We are on all the social medias at Tell Craig Your Story. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, VK for our Russian listeners, and WeChat for our Chinese listeners. And make sure that you're subscribing to our YouTube channel. Uh, you will get all the updates as they get uploaded. We also have a link tree there which tells you where Tell Craig Your Story podcast is streaming. We are on all the major streaming services. All right, here we go. This is my chat with Sam Rolfe on Tell Craig Your Story podcast. Hi, Sam. How are you doing today? G'day, Craig. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm doing good. Thank you for your time. I know you're a, you're a busy man. How are you doing in the pandemic? Is you, are you and your family staying safe? What are you doing in this period? It's, it's a little different. Definitely a different time. I'm currently home on holidays at the moment. I'm not due back to work till the middle of September. We're all... Um... A company-wide policy came through that we had to get all our holidays back down to zero, and I had up around uh, seven weeks of holiday. So I'm on an enforced holiday at the moment, so not due back till about the 9th of September or something. Right. So you, ha- you and your family, you're staying safe? You know, yeah, the, right. the family's not too bad. The family's well. Um, obviously, being in Queensland, uh, the kids are all back to school now after homeschooling there for um, oh, about six or eight weeks. The wife uh, who works for the government, she's working from home uh, two days a week and in the office three days a week, and then it swaps around the following week. So we're all nice and safe, mate. And did you have to cancel anything uh, during this period, or did you have plans? My daughter uh, turned 18 in July, so our plan... um, My sister has a holiday house up at uh, Hamilton Island. We like to go up there once a year. Oh, nice. We get a week's use of that once a year up there, and we were, were planning to spend the 18th, or my daughter's 18th up there this year. Yeah, no one can fly into the islands unless you're an employee. Yeah, right. And you said that you took time off with work as well in that period, yeah. this period. So were you able to do any sort of work online, like, to, to sort of... Most of my job's all in the studio work. I work for Radio TAB, um, so all of my work consists of actually being in the studio. It's all sort of... Producing, and we're not really producing, but helping setting up uh, interviews and things like that. So, mate, I haven't even had to bring my laptop home. I've, I'm, as I said, I don't go back to work in September. I've left my laptop there, and it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, right. So, it says here that you've worked for the Radio TAB for over 30 years. Is that correct? Uh, not quite. I started there in 97. Okay. Yeah, 1997. Uh, uh, I remember watching the Manly uh, Newcastle Grand Final from the studios. And oh. That's how it always rings a bell with me. <laughs> oh, what a great <laughs> memory. <laughs> uh, you, definitely. <laughs> yes. Yeah, people people can talk about uh, being a split competition, but, you know, I, I think that was, you know, one of the 
saviors of of a rugby league, you know, Newcastle winning that grand final. Yeah, it was a great result. Just straight off the bat, I, I just like you're a huge Parramatta fan. You live in Brisbane, so the obvious reason is why you a Bronco supporter. Funny story. Uh, well, maybe not funny, but this is the story. When I was a young fella, I played all my junior rugby league for the North Spaniard Rugby League Club. Yes. When we were, I think, around under nines, um, we had one of the fathers or one of the parents um, sponsor the team. And at the end of the year, when you're on your, uh, your trophy day, um, not only did we get our trophies and our jerseys, everyone in the uh, team was given a Sydney New South Wales shirt. Now, at that stage, you know, being only eight or nine, we didn't know much about the New South, New South Wales Rugby League. It was all about Norths or Valleys or yes. Yes. things like that up here. And the shirt I ended up with was a Parramatta shirt, and I've stuck loyal to this day. Yeah, right. It's just very interesting how something like that can just happen and you stick loyal to them through all these sort of times. And, and look at Parramatta this year. I mean, they're, they're, they're flying, aren't they? Well, I'm optimistic. I'm a long-suffering Parramatta fan. But <laughs> yes. I won't see how we you know, finish the season Friday. There's still seven rounds to go, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, there's been some interesting... You know, we're talking about grand finals and don't want to rub it in, but the night's last grand final, unfortunately. I was there that game. Oh, really? Yeah, it was there. But to be fair, Sam, that year they were the best team in the comp. I think they only lost two or three games that whole season. So, Well, they broke a lot of club records that year. Yeah. Also, um, I suppose if they had the premiership, they'd probably consider one of the greatest club teams of all time, but... Didn't perform well on the big dance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One game, you know. <laughs> so, Sam, you know, you've worked for the TAB for, you know, quite a long time. Let's go back. Uh, so, you were you born in Queensland? Were you born in Brisbane? Yep, Brisbane boy. Okay. And yeah, and what, what was it like? Were you living in Brisbane in the city or were you living outside the city? I lived in a suburb called Banyo, hence where my... Um, ah, the Banyo boys. Yeah, I grew up in the suburb of Banyo, which is just like a little industrial... It's a little suburb stuck sort of just in like a little industrial area on the north side of Brisbane. Beautiful little area growing up in. Everybody sort of knew everybody. So, you know, before school, after school, there was games of football, touch, you name it. It was always cricket. There was always people to hang around with and, you know, muck around with. It was yeah, just a great little suburb and best part is, you know, like as you got older, you're now away from the Sunshine Coast and are now yeah, away right. from the Gold Coast. So it was just a great little spot. Right in the middle. And uh, was it a big rugby league town there? Ben, did, did, um, you, did you have your own local team, like like in the second or third division? Or? Uh, no, we're just a little – my closest Brisbane rugby league club would have been Norths, which was over at Nunda, which was only like two suburbs drives away. Right. You know, I think junior football-wise, there was probably six clubs, you know, roughly about six clubs in and around the area that you could have gone and played with. But um, North Spaniard was a club that all my mates played with, so that's the one you know, I went to. All right. And did you grow up in a in a big family or was it a small family? No, I have um, uh, my parents, mum and dad, uh, and I have three older sisters. Uh, my older sister, Kelly's eight years older, and I have two twin sisters, Rachel and Lauren, that are four years older than me. All right. So uh, finally, uh, the third or four, uh, the fourth time lucky with the boy, right? <laughs> right. 
So you said before that you did play some some rugby league in, in that time. So tell us a little bit about. Did you play schoolboys? Did, did you? How did, did it all start? For you? I played a club in school football. Um, I started high school at Banyo State High, which actually isn't there anymore, or it's still there, but it's called uh, I think Earnshaw College now. I started there in 1986, and when I was in grade eight in '86, the senior football team went through to win the Brisbane competition, which was right. Uh, yeah, that was uh, always a big day, played at Lang Park. And then um, four years later when I was oh, I was in grade 11, but a part of the senior team, we went through and won the uh, the Brisbane Premiership as well, doing the same thing they did. And we beat Wynnum in the final. I don't remember the score. It was very close towards the end, about 26-24. Mm. And I remember the Wynnum team, uh, they had a guy named Jeff Wittenberg who ended up down at St. George Illawarra. Mm. Guy who's just resigned as a coach, uh, Paul Green was the captain and the halfback of the team. Really? There you go. That's interesting. I was just about to ask who who, who did you play with that sort of went on to the NRL? I did. Uh, I did have three guys in my team: uh, Brett Gallia, Mark Bevan, and Kieran Meyer. They all went on to high success in football. They all went into NRL clubs um, and played anywhere from up to about fifty games, I believe. Right. So what happened to your career? Did you end up, did you just keep playing? No, my career was very short. You need talent to have a long career. And <laughs> unfortunately, I had speed, not talent to match it. <laughs> right. And what positions did you play? What did you prefer to play? If we were short in the forwards, I'd play a little bit of second row, but it was generally a centre or a winger. Centre or a winger. All right. So you, you did have a bit of speed, you did say? Back in the days. Back, back in the, in the days. days. <laughs> Saying that, I raced my 15-year-old son three days ago, and it wasn't pretty. And I'm still, <laughs> I pulled up pretty sore from it. <laughs> and was there any sort of uh, injuries there? Is that the reason, just or just like form, just being in the right spot at the right time? You know. Uh, I think once high school finished, if, I mean, other things come into. Yeah, you know, like you start working, uh, you start going out to the nightclubs, and. Um, girls are a lot more interesting uh, like 18 and 19 than what they were at 14 and 15 so no, no, I was always the one that uh, I, I, I've probably pretty much worked weekends and things like that so it came down to a choice like money money or yeah the mates there for a while playing footy so no I knew I wasn't going to go any further in with it so it was easy just to hang out and watch them on the sidelines right and, and what did you what did your parents what did they do for for work uh mum and dad dad was pretty much a truck uh, like a truck driver for a, uh, what would you call them, a nut and bolt company. That was pretty much his gig for about 30-odd years, 35 years. Yeah. Mum was a, uh, a rep for something pretty similar. So that's pretty much what they, uh, they did. But they've been probably retired now for about 12 years or so. Wow. Okay. You know, are you still living close? Is it, How far did you say... Whereabouts where are you living now? Are you still close? I, I live out at Launton now, um, just outside of Brisbane itself. Uh, it's in the Petrie Shire. I grew up in Banyo. Banyo's probably maybe a 30-minute car drive along the freeway. Right. All right. So let's talk about the NRL. Like, is NRL your number one sport or what other sports are you sort of in, in, involved in? What, what, what interests you? Rugby league's always been my main sport. Um, yes. I do have other interests, like I, I like um, world class boxing. If there's two great fighters, I'll watch that. I'm a big fan of the UFC, so I will watch that sort of stuff. But oh, nice! It's always been rugby league. That's always been, you know, since I was a young guy, uh, young fella. It's always been rugby league. 
So, so let's talk about that. Did did your dad play you know, rugby league or was no, it something? Um, no, my dad, um, he had his own cancer sort of issues when I was a young fella. Uh, the most of the thing, uh, most of the stuff my dad was interested in, um, I'm pretty certain him and his mates, if they weren't riding horses, they were like, it was a pretty big badge of honour, you know, to get down to the Gold Coast and their surf club and compete in all the events and stuff like that. But no, I don't go swimming out the ocean, it's dark out there. Yeah. <laughs> so with rugby league, when was your sort of like first game? Did did you go to the Broncos games, or was it just your local competition? At, at you know when you were first sort of getting involved with rugby league. My neighbours growing up, uh, they had five sons. Their oldest son, Cliffy, when I was a young guy, uh, just starting off in football, he had just debuted as the fullback for Norse in the Brisbane competition back in. All right. Now, this was pre-NRL and pre-Brisbane going into the New South Wales Rugby League. So pretty much every second week when Norse had a home game at Bishop Park, um, I would tag along with uh, my bestie next door and his family and we'd watch all three grades. They had uh, another son that was playing in, I think it was like under-19s or Colts back in those days. So it was it was always good fun. But, you know, I got to see Wally Lewis playing for Valleys and all, wow. those, all those, you know, like Queensland legends back in the day. Yeah. Uh, playing for all those, you know, local local club teams. Yeah, and who who is your sort of like uh, standout? You said Wally Lewis, so it was like now Meninga, Langer. It was always Wally. Um, Wally, yeah. I mean, every Queensland kid loves the King. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> As my own, like Norse had a um, a big front rower named Campbell Jews that was uh, just just a beast. He was just <laughs> one. He was like an icon of the club, uh, like a fooey fooey moy moy. Every time you hit it up, you'd hear the crowd cheering from the hill and the big bend, Zulu, Zulu. And yeah. Was, yeah, he was a legend of the Brisbane comp, but he was probably one of my first idols as well. And did he go on to bigger things? I, I, that name doesn't sound familiar to me. I think Brisbane comp, I think he was just at the wrong sort of age group. I think right. the towards like when he was maybe in the back end of his 20s or early 30s. Um, I, I couldn't confirm this, but he may have made like – a Panasonic, a Brisbane Panasonic Cup team back in oh, the yeah. day. They okay. used to play midweek competitions and that. But as for going on for Queensland, all that sort of stuff, no, I don't think he ever achieved that. Right. Yeah, I've also seen like pictures uh, of your whole family decked out in the Parramatta uh, jerseys. But then uh, there's another picture of you uh, with the whole family decked in the maroon. The whole family decked in the maroon? I wonder what that one was. I um... <laughs> But that's that's my thing. Like, like you're following Parramatta, the the Sydney club, but then you're. Oh no, we're, we're Queenslanders through and through. Yes. I, uh, I brain unfortunately for my kids, I brainwashed them really <laughs> Parramatta and. So uh, so when so, Parramatta, you had the jersey. Did you follow them? Uh, how how far back do you go with Parramatta? Like supporting. Oh, them? well, since uh, ever since that. Uh, presentation day when I was given a shirt and it was a Parramatta shirt and that's that's my team so that was in say around 82, 83 or like oh right wow so you didn't really get to see a lot of their highlights and stuff so yeah. unless Sydney teams were actually making green finals and stuff you didn't really see a lot back in the day yeah so like it was like Sterling, Kenny Cronin oh the greats, growth yeah, yeah. win yeah. yeah, Eric Eric Rhodes was probably one of my favourites growing up for Parramatta. 
I think uh, he's a fan for all the Parramatta supporters, actually. He just sort of, you, you watch the old school grand finals, he's there, you know. <laughs> you watch an old game, he's there. You know? <laughs> he yeah. just be the, the Iron Man. So it uh, would have been good for you then when uh, Brisbane Broncos and the Gold Coast come into the competition and, uh, you know, you'd be able to see Parramatta play in Queensland? Oh, that- yeah, I know. I'd never missed a game when they came up because it was so. It was always so rare to see them. Like, I did see Parramatta play like one of those Panasonic Brisbane teams back in um, like the midweek competition when I was oh back. I must have been ten or eleven or even younger. But when they came in and the Broncos were up here, I never missed a home game. Even when they travelled out to ANZ, um, yeah, we would always go out. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go into our sort of similar interests here. We've talked NRL, we've talked Parramatta. Now, we both have a very similar interest in a a game, for people who don't know, it is a game called Supercoach. And you pick a bunch, your team uh, from a rugby league competition, you put them into a team and they, they, they get points on if they score a try or they make a tackle or, or something like that. So this has been going on for you know quite a few years now. And Sam actually won the 2017 Supercoach overall points. Now, Sam, can you remember how many players played that season? Or I, think, a- I think that year there was 133,000, which... At that time was a record, but it has it, it, it's been getting bigger and bigger every year. Yeah, it gets popular each year. Just people, uh, you know, friends of friends. Yeah. So how did, how did you get involved with Supercoach? Working for Radio TAB, I'm generally working weekends, so um, that's a lot of Friday nights and Saturday nights and things like that. And uh, during football season, you're always watching it. I just happened to notice articles would pop up. I think I originally started seeing them on Fox Sports. They had yes. their own fantasy version and then um i started noticing through the daily telegraph uh this this man called tom sangster was putting out articles about <laughs> super coach and i thought oh this you know this how we, this makes the game more interesting you can yes. watch, you can watch games and support players that aren't in your team and you can still have fun watching the game yeah so um the first season or two i started off doing that not really having a clue what i was doing just thinking oh, it was just something to do for the yes. football time then I met another dad who uh, had the same interest. So we would start talking about it. And then he put me onto a website, NRL Supercoach Talk. And from there, my obsession with the game just exploded. I couldn't wait to learn more about it. Yeah. And and the thing is, draws you to watch before this, I would just watch the Knights game. And that would do me for rugby league. Or we'd watch the game of the week or, you know, whatever. But if it wasn't the Knights, I generally didn't have any interest in it. So, But when Supercoach come in, it was like, you know what? I've got Corey Parker in my team as captain. <laughs> oh, I want the Brisbane Broncos to smash him. I want him to be <laughs> – so it, it just gives you that, you know, uh, extra motivation and just like, you know what? I'm, I want to watch this. So – there's stages there where you could watch five or six games, you know, of rugby league, and that's unheard of. Well, I would have been similar like you, Craig. I would probably just watch, you know, mainly the 
uh, the Parramatta games and living in Brisbane, you, you know, you couldn't miss a Bronco game. They were always on on a Friday or a Sunday. So, But then, as you said, mate, you start picking players or you start looking at players from other teams and following their careers. And like, yeah. I've never been a Cronulla fan of my life. But Paul <laughs> Gallen was such a dominant yes. player. I started watching plenty of Cronulla games. And then uh, James Tedesco came through at uh, the West Tigers there. And his yeah. first game, he looked like an absolute superstar. And then 10 minutes later, he, he did his knee. And yeah. oh, it's just, oh, the stories you can go with some of these. Um, games it's unbelievable and then how hyped up you can get for it or how much you can look forward to a particular game and then the weather comes along and ruins whatever your plans were <laughs> that's it that's it so let's let's um i know we're going a bit forward but let, let's go to the the 2017 season like before that did yep. were you going good were you okay average I had sort of, um, as I said, the first couple of years, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was yes. just picking name players. Like, That's um, it. Yes. I pretty much had a Queensland backline, not realising um, Darren Lockyer was terrible at super coach. So <laughs> That's right. They're, they're well, the, the first couple of seasons. At the start, you'd pick all the big names, all the people that are in the Australian team, and then you'd get halfway through it and you got no money left. You still got exactly to still got to fill in 10, 10 spots. So, um, yeah. It's so part of every season. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah. So let's talk about the the season that you won. So okay. you're saying that like the fifteen and sixteen, you're sort of like a a learning sort of period. But you said you were well, in chat. Even a couple of years before that, fifteen, yeah. I think I finished uh, about three thousand two hundred. Right. Uh, 2016 was the first time I finished in the top thousand, and uh, I was just thinking, like, you know, there were some weeks there when you maybe forgot to put your captaincy on yes. uh, a certain person, and and just thought, I thought to myself, you know, if if I pay attention next year, I could do a lot better at this. I mean, I never expected to do what I achieved that year, but you know, if you put the hard work, especially Supercoach, if you put the hard work in, if you Devote the time to, to try and find an edge, you know, try and find a pod player. If you put in the homework, you can be rewarded. Yes, absolutely. So with the 2017 season, did you have any sort of plans going into it before you started? How did you sort of get to being the winner? Well, you must have been doing things at the start right. Well, I'd say that season I definitely hit on, um, as we know, in Super Coach. Uh, to help create value in your team, you need to bring in the right rookies at the start of the year whose prices are going to go up. Yes. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head who I actually had that year, but I dare say it was, it was probably the, a cookie-cutter type team where I had you know pretty much all the right guys from the start. And I was lucky yes. with a few of the choices I went with, especially in the boards that got a lot of those attacking stats early on in the season, which can sort of jump you up the leaderboard a little bit. Um I don't think I hit the uh, – I cracked the top 10, I think, that year in about round eight. Okay. And then um, I just happened to, yeah, make good good selections for the next couple of weeks. Good decisions, then, yeah. Before so, I knew it, I was inside the top 10, so I was screenshotting that. I thought, well, this is, if this is the best I'm ever going to get, I'm going to have that <laughs> screenshot yes. me at number nine. And then each yes. week um, I sort of got a lower screenshot until I eventually got down to number one. Right. Wow. So when did you get to number one, like uh, 
before the semifinals or were you number one, you know? I hit the number one, I think, about round 16 off the top of my head. Right. Um, I had been, like, in the top five. Like, uh, myself and the four other teams around that time had all sort of been swapping inside the top five. But from round 16, I hit the top spot. I held it for two weeks. I lost it for two weeks. And once I got it back, I held it right through to the end of the season, right through to the end of round 26. Sam, you've got to give me some tips, mate. Uh, um, this mate season... I've had a look at your team. I don't think you need any tips from me this season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had a, you know, for, for people that don't know, I haven't told too many people, but um, I'm, I'm coming fifth overall in the oh, 2020 no. Super Coach. And, and the thing is, uh, I've lived in China for four years. So I've been doing Super Coach in Shanghai. It's just too hard to get the late mail and to get, you know, all the update. I, I don't get to watch all the games. The pandemic has hit. I got out of there straight away. I'm now living in, I've been here since February. Oh, wow. Super, Super Coach comes up. All my friends, uh, we've got a we've got a group, and it's like you know what, let's let's have a dig. So, I I just think at the start, I, like with you, I I just picked the right players at the start of the year. Uh, so, how how did you go with the trades uh, with your season? Like, did you sort of keep them? Are you a some person that keeps them, or you know, use them whenever you can? My uh, season's a little bit different to the way Supercoach is now. Um, oh, yeah. The season I won was the last season where we had the bye period for the oh, gotcha. That, that was always um That was always a part of the season that, that sorted out the, not the amateur Supercoaches, but the ones that didn't put the time in to look at bye periods and see which players were going to be available. So if you could always manage that part of the season well, you can make up a heap of ground. Um, I remember uh, Wilfred, uh, Wilfred Z, Catfish, uh, a big name in our community. Yes. He wanted this before I did. At the end of Wilfred's season, he put out like a nice, oh, I should call it book because it was so long. Um, <laughs> it was just, it was just uh, how he set his team up from the start of the season, how he got himself through the bye period. And I would sort of, you know, go back to that once or twice during the season, or pro- probably more often than that, just to see how I was, how Wilfred was doing, and, you know, where I could improve myself. And so I, I got through the bye period fairly well. I still had a, I had a very strong team at the time. I was already sitting in, um, you know, the top couple rankings in Supercoach. And once the bye period sort of finished, and I was still sort of sitting up in that top five, I thought, Oh, Hang on. I can actually win this. Yeah. <laughs> you always I was always sort of waiting for that week where I was gonna have the big chunk drop and fall back. But yes. yeah, lucky for me I kept making right choices or the other coaches made wrong choices and I end up surging ahead through the last part of the season and end up winning by over four hundred points in the end. Oh wow. Yeah, right. So the last round of the season to you how how far ahead were you at the time? Uh, coming into the last round, I had a 288-point lead and I had wow. one trade. That's yeah, no, big. It was, so, it was so absolutely mind-blowing. Like, so you would, have had to fall, a, you would have had to fall over to, to, lose, to lose that, right? 280-point lead? Weeks out, I thought, two weeks ago, I thought it was mine. I, I thought they would have to get really lucky to beat me. And yes. As you're probably aware, uh, sitting there at fifth, you do a lot of homework on the other teams up around you in the rankings. And yes. I knew we had a 
really had two different pod players that I was concerned about. So I end up using my very last trade in the last, I think it was the last week. And I brought in um, Billy Slater, who was what I considered the most dangerous pod left of the, of the teams that were ranked two and three. So I brought him in to cross that pot out. I actually made him captain that week because Melbourne were playing and banged up South Sydney. South Sydney had a lot of outs that week and the guys that weren't playing were all carrying injuries. And I just thought Billy was ready to, to have a big game and he, he punched out a 100-plus point game that round. Wow. That's what got you over. So, and then how, and then you won the competition. So, what happens there? Like, you know, obviously it's a huge prize money. Uh, I know that it wasn't just picking your teams, you know, sorting out the teams. So, that whole year, you have a very good story to tell. Uh, unfortunately, you had to go into hospital yeah. uh, for operation. Um, so, tell us all about that. After being misdiagnosed a couple of times, I was really crook around 2013, 2014. And after being misdiagnosed a couple of times, I finally got the right diagnosis after a colonoscopy that I had bowel cancer. Mm. Um, I was only 41 then, so I didn't know anything about bowel cancer. I didn't, didn't know much about many cancers, to tell you the truth. So that was a big shock. So I end up having a right hemicolectomy, which in, uh, basically make it simple. They took out the right half of my bear. I did that. I did chemo. I did six months of chemo where I, I had a portacath inserted just above uh, the right nipple. And that's the way I chose to do my chemotherapy. You can generally either get like the pick in the arm, which meant I would have had to go up to the hospital every week after uh, the day after my chemo session and get it all cleaned out. So I went with the porter cap because that meant I only had to go up there every second week. I got through my chemo and that all right. I picked up a few little um, nooks and crannies that chemo gives you. Like I've got nerve damage to the feet, uh, to the hands, and just a couple other little things. Nothing, nothing that bothers me now. The porter cap that I had where my chemo uh, would be transfused, you keep those in for three years. Uh, so towards the end of 2017, the year I was doing really well on Supercoach, I was due to get my porter cap out. You know, like, you know, I'd been told I was clear of the, even though they don't give you the bowel cancer clearance for five years, I was told everything was looking good, that the porter cap was due to come out. About a week before the due date, it was to come out. I was feeling really lethargic and just didn't think much of it because my health had sort of been like that. I just happened to have a scan. And then about two days later, I was supposed to see my oncologist. He got the results of the scan and rang, basically rang me at home at 8 in the morning and said, look, I don't want you to do anything. I want you to go sit on the lounge. I don't want you to go to work. We send an ambulance to your place. Oh, my God. That's a big shock to the system. Yeah. yeah. That's a pretty big shock to wake up to. Yeah. So basically what had happened there is my porter cast had disintegrated or broken up inside me. Oh, my um, God. And, and what they'd found out from the scan I had a few days before is that there's a tube about so long that goes uh, from the porter cap across. That had come loose, got tangled up in my heart. <laughs> so oh. that's the why I wasn't feeling real flash there for a day or two. So wow. straight back straight back into hospital, they uh, did uh, the surgery, pulled everything out, everything was great. I come home um, about a week or so later, like my first day I'm due, due to go back to work, I'm in the share and I'm just feeling this throbbing pain in my neck so I told the wife she's quickly done the old Dr. Google thing 
And she said, oh, you're not going to believe this. She says, I, I think you have a blood clot. So we go up to the hospital and um, I tell them everything that I've been through and they scan it uh, like with a little ultrasound like they do with yes. ladies when they're pregnant. Yes. And the nurse who was doing mine, she's going up, up. She's going, oh, it's big. Oh, oh it's really big. And so I wasn't feeling really confident there. Oh, but man. I ended up taking quite same needles there for six months. And, you know, that was to, to bring the clot down, to break it up. Yeah. That happened, that, you know, that all worked out. In the meantime, I'm still playing super coach. I've been in and out of hospitals, having different surgeries. Wow. The end of the year comes. I happen to win the $50,000. At that stage, I've got a clean bill of health from my my doctors and everything. So the wife and I have always wanted to go to New York. So that's, that's what we thought we were going to do with the prize money. We're going to New York. That, that's it. Yeah. So we've, we've done everything. The day um, I was actually going to book to pay for everything, I uh, had another episode at home and I thought, oh, this doesn't feel right. And I thought, oh, I better go up to the hospital, double check. And so instead of having the clot in my jugular, it had gone up to up oh, here. The, um, the brain. I can't exactly remember the proper term. It's something like uh, venous thrombosis or something like that, which basically is a um, blood clot in the brain. So that's oh. that's pretty much me at the moment. I'm stuck with that there and... I'm on warfarin for life now. I take warfarin and metropolol yes. every day and and never got to go to America. And by the way, in the world we live in today, I don't think I'm going to get there. No, no, well, not at the moment. No, definitely not. My mom has had the same. She, she went in hip uh, surgery and then they found clots in her heart and I'm so glad that I'm back here in Australia and being able to sort of help her as well. So I, I feel your pain as well, but I, I'm... You look fine. You look very healthy at the moment. So I'm, I'm really good. I've, uh, I have been given the all clear for my bowel cancer after five years. Oh, that's great. A month after, a month after that, I've uh, <laughs> since found out I have neuroendocrine tumors now. So yeah. it's known as NET. It is a cancer I knew absolutely nothing about. Some research I've been doing since I've been diagnosed. Let, let me get, uh, set the record straight. These tumours are slow-growing tumours. It's, I mean, if it is going to kill you, it's going to take 30 or 40 or 50 years to kill you from you know, what they tell me. Uh, my oncologist uh, isn't even concerned about it at the moment. I've had multiple scans where they can tell um, the tumours haven't grown. So until they start to show some movement, I, I won't even be starting treatment for that. But I, I just know it's just another thing I'm dealing with at the moment. Yes. I'd never heard of Nets until I jumped online and realised it was the thing that eventually killed Steve Jobs and Aretha Franklin. And oh, yeah. really surprising, there's not a lot more word out about Nets. Yeah. Wow, that's 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 awful. I also heard while you were in hospital, when you won the Supercoach, that, and, and I don't know how it happened, but uh, you got a call from Brad Arthur, the paramedic coach. Why, why you're in the hospital when you won? Is that yes. true? I, I'm not sure if I was in hospital or whether I'd or what, or whether I was home recovering at that stage. Tom, uh, obviously Tom Sangster, the face of Supercoach, he'd uh, actually flown up to Brisbane and interviewed myself and my family, and that was in the Daily Telegraph within the next couple of days. And as far as I know, um, Brad had uh, seen that. He got in contact with the Daily Telegraph and. 
yeah, next thing you know, I, I'm speaking to Brad Arthur. It's just, yeah, very wow. surreal. Wow. And, and, and apparently in, in the article that I saw uh, online is that he showed the whole team pictures of you or, or videos of you um, in the hospital. And apparently that sort of spurred on the team. So that's that's just incredible. And it just goes to show the Parramatta Eels and the club, what, what sort of club they are and what sort of person Brad Arthur is, right? Yeah, no, huge respect for Brad Arthur, huge respect. Yeah, and you said you got to talk to him as well. Yeah, I spoke to him for about five minutes. He um, just, you know, he said, he told me that yeah, he read the article and um, he just wanted to say, um, as a long fan like myself, he just wanted to wish me the best of luck and let me know that the team and the club were thinking about me. Um, wow. In fact, it was funny. Uh, Brad wouldn't have known this, but yeah. just after I'd had my uh, bowel surgery in 2014, one of the guys I worked with had had. I'm not sure how it all came about, but next thing you know, I've got a call from Erin Molan and she was going to be in Brisbane and she was interested in doing a story uh, on myself and my family um, after finding out I was, um, after I had bowel cancer. Erin, uh, at that stage, I still believe she is, is the bowel cancer ambassador for Australia. Really? Um, yeah, so that was, yeah, that, that was quite surreal. So Erin came up, we did like a little hour video in the house and, just spoke to my kids and then we went out past the football and I just happened to mention in, uh, in that interview that, you know, as a long time Parramatta fan, I'd been out to Parramatta stadium, but I'd never seen the team play. Well, uh, about two days later, the club sponsor at the time, um, shine lawyers, yes. uh, one of the gentlemen there had seen that interview and they rang the wife. I was in bed. Uh, they'd rang the wife and said, look, yeah, we'd really like to fly your family down to Sydney to watch our home next home game. And, you know, three days later, the, the, my tribe were off into Sydney. Wow. We watched Parramatta defeat the Sydney Roosters on a Friday night game at Parramatta oh, Stadium. It was, come uh, on. <laughs> wow. That, that's just great. Um, and it couldn't happen to, you know, a nicer person. That's just – speaking of uh, celebrities and people that you've met during the time, like there's a list of people that you've, you've interviewed or, or you've met – I wouldn't say I'm just the person who uh, puts them through to the studio. So I'm oh. in those particular shifts. I back in those days. I was a producer, so I wanted to have a quick, chat, quick chat to them off air before I put them through to the main host of the shows. Right. But yeah, like um, as a guy who's always been into horse racing, my dad yes. was into horse racing, so I always had a keen interest. So it's funny how I ended up uh, working for Radio TAB. Yeah. Um, just organising the interviews one minute, you know, you're trying to ring Gay, Hall, Gay Waterhouse to put her through. You know, the next day you could be talking to a David Hayes or a Lee Friedman or yeah. uh, Jimmy Byrne from, you know, a jockey from Brisbane. It was just people that, you know, you'd seen around and, you know, you know they were pretty dominant in their industry. And just to have a, a little 20-second, 30-second chat with them before they went on air, I, I loved it. It was That's cool, fun. yeah. Because it's seen here, uh, Damien Be uh, Darren Biedman, Damien Oliver, Gay Waterhouse, I mean... They're big names in the, the racing, Australian racing industry, you know? Oh, they're huge names in the industry, Ed. They, would, they wouldn't remember me from a bar aside, but I had my 30 <laughs> seconds of yeah. um, joy, so I'm happy. And do you have any tips for me, by the way? Any horses? Oh, no, no, the horses. No, nah, <laughs> I'm the worst judge you can find. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, stick, I stick with my first try scorers, and that's about as far as I like right. these days. Yeah, I had a... Uh, a good win. I put fifty dollars. I had a, I had a couple of back to back wins, so I had enough money to say, okay, TAB, I'm going to put fifty dollars on 
um, my man, uh, Kalen Ponga, to score the first try and for Newcastle to win. That was the game against the Tigers. Actually got a ticket to go uh, in this time. It's crazy. He got the ball, bam, straight through the uh, straight through the middle, scored a try, bang. 250 bucks. Yep. Come on. <laughs> My daughter's a huge fan of Kylan Ponga, and I don't uh, think she's a fan of his play. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. He, uh, I'm sure he's uh, the, the ladies uh, like uh, Kylan Ponga, definitely. So let's talk about your family now. One, oh. one daughter and two sons. Oh, right, okay. So uh, well, what are they? One of my sons has such long hair, he could probably be my other daughter at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so ha- has he gone on to play rugby league as well, or is he uh, gone on different paths? He did. He was doing really well. Um, he played from under sevens right through. He finished two two years ago. He, he pretty much broke uh, his arm in back-to-back seasons. Oh. And that was pretty much did one in the game and um, missed, uh, I think it was his under 14 season. Oh, yeah. sorry, under 13 season. And then two games back into the next season, um, he broke uh, He broke another part. So that was it. Another season ruined. And then he found uh, two things in life that everyone should find, fishing and girls. <laughs> <laughs> it's a simple, simple life, isn't it? <laughs> you know? Fishing and fishing. Yeah, and no, he, he didn't want to put up with all the uh, politics of playing football anymore, and so. Absolutely. And as parents, we were quite happy to have the break too. Like. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when you see your kids banged up just from playing a sport or so, you know, it's sort of you get a bit excited. There's not not as many footy trainings and stuff you have to get to, or yeah, that's many right. games to on the other side of Brisbane, but uh, it's been it's been quite good. My daughter played um rep footy in the girls competition as well. All oh, right. She's retired now. Unfortunately, she threw to the mother's side and she didn't really grow a lot once she hit 13. So All right. She, uh, she's a real shorty. Yeah, right. Okay, that's great. And and you also said that uh, in your spare time, you love love a bit of fishing. I've seen your Facebook and there's plenty of uh, photos on there with, you know, holding up a... Oh, I don't even know what it was. I was just uh, got on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was... Um, I took my boys uh, one one trip when we were up on Hamilton Island. I took the boys out uh, deep sea fishing. Um, in fact, we go every time when we go. It's just a good couple of hours out there, and you know, just good bonding time with my boys. Yeah, right. Speaking of your travels, uh, where where have you travelled in, in your time? Been pretty much stuck in Australia, mate. It's just yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, I regret things now um, that I haven't travelled. That's why we were so disappointed when the blood clots hit and we couldn't do um, New York oh. and Vegas. Um, I don't know. It's just when I was a young guy, it was never really high on my agenda at the time. I don't why? Know why why travel? Like I Australia's beautiful. I, mean, I, have, <laughs> I have such regrets now, but I would have loved to go to America. I would have loved to go to Italy, but with this blood clot now, I'm only. I think they let me fly as far as six hours. So one day I may be able to go to Japan or somewhere. But yeah. you know, the, blood, the blood clots now have pretty much limited me to where I can go. So yeah, right. Okay. All right, so NRL, obviously you want Parramatta to win the grand final, but who, who, who are you sort of looking at to, you know, the top four, top two teams, in your opinion, for this season? I, I think the top four is pretty much sorted now. I don't expect anybody to come from outside what the top four is now. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping for a Parramatta grand final. I realise we have to improve against, you know, teams as the Roosters and Melbourne, uh, we don't have great track records against them, but it's a diff- different season, a different comp. Yeah, 
Am I confident oh, we'll be in the grand final? No, I'm not confident, but <laughs> I'm hopeful. I think it's actually pretty open. I mean, Melbourne have got a few injuries. Uh, I know that uh, Roosters have got a few injuries. Uh, Panthers are playing great. Parramatta, you know, they're getting by. They're winning just. They're, they're not sort of smashing teams. They're, so I think it's very, very open. I would actually like to see, if my Knights don't win it, uh, I would like to see Parra and Penrith, the West. That would it. be a great grand final. Yeah. Mm. That, yeah, I would love to see that grand final myself. Yeah, but, uh, you know, once Roosters and Storm get their players back, they're going to be hard to beat. <laughs> oh, they're just, I mean, they're obviously the benchmark of Australian football, so mm. that's where the other 14 clubs should be trying, should, they should be trying to achieve what the Roosters and the Storm have done for pretty much the last decade. Definitely. Two decades, Definitely. you know, talking about the Storm. Just brilliant franchises. That's where every club should be striving to be at. I'm always interested to hear other people's opinions about the Knights. Uh, how, how do you think about what do you think about the Knights team? Well, w- one thing about football I, I always love is there's always a club that's always rebuilding. Now I'm yes. going to go back to when Brandy moved back to the Knights just after Wayne Bennett left them in that hole. I thought I thought Brand did a spectacular job with Newcastle. Yeah. The players brought to the club and the systems and programs he's put in place. If he takes all that with him to New Zealand, I think that franchise could turn around in the next four or five seasons. Definitely. Uh, I'm not sure whether he'll be the man at the end of it, at the end of the rainbow, but to me, I, I, I liken him a lot, a lot to like Brian Smith from uh, the 90s and the 80s, mm-hmm. um, former Parramatta coach. He's just and Newcastle. one of those guys put into a, a put into a club. He'll get everything running from the juniors, give everyone a pathway up to the top grade. And when he leaves, that club's in a, is in a better shape. And yes. I think Nathan Brown left Newcastle in a great shape. Uh, he, he put them in a, a system moving forward. Yes. And we've seen the benefits the last couple of seasons. Um, yeah. The players they've got there now, Kylan's such a superstar. Yes. Um, young Bradman Best looks to be um, a generational talent. Absolutely, yeah. And we're, we're getting uh, Frizzell next, week for, uh, next year from the... Uh, from St George, so that that sort of boosts boosts our back row up a bit. So yeah, it's just like uh, Brisbane. Every time I go up to Brisbane, I love. I used to love going up to the state of origin. You know, when the great Queensland teams, your Thurstons, your your Cronk, your Slater, your Cameron Smith, and New South Wales were getting smashed. Uh, I didn't care. It was the whole. Always had some great times. Go to the Caxton pub and wear my New South Wales jersey and get booed when I when I walk in. And <laughs> you, you know what I mean? They're throwing toilet paper at you, and it's such a good day. And you go to the you know the Forex Brewery, and it have was, you done the brewery tour as yet? I've done it a couple of times actually. Yeah, I love it. The, for, <laughs> it's a the great Forex, tour, isn't it? the Forex Brewery. It's right it's next to the, the 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 ground. You know, at the end of the day, when you when we're playing super coach, we're playing sports. It's all about the people that you meet. That's what it all comes down exactly to. Exactly right. Yeah. And the people um, in the super coach community, like I'm, I'm not a really outgoing sort of bloke. My missus would probably say I'm. Oh, I won't actually say that. What <laughs> she would probably say that have a couple of few swear words in there, but no, <laughs> I'm not a really outgoing sort of bloke. So sitting home doing the super coach because I mainly work the weekends and those sorts of things. What a good time to be playing. Yeah, that's it. Well, you know, you can't go out. I do my work, and then it's super coach. You know what I mean? So, I've had to tell previous Especially girlfriends. When you're and, up where you, were, you have to 
put a yeah. lot of time and effort in to keep that ranking up. That's it. That's it. Definitely. You got to be checking the team lists and, you know, the injuries and who could be out and who to captain. And... You got to be over everybody's Twitter feed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so give me some tips. What, what, what are some of the things that I should, with seven rounds to go, what are some of the tips that I, you know, that you, you could give for me? Okay. Now, you're sitting in fifth. If yes. I was you, I would have a complete dossier on every team that's in the, within, say, the top 15 rankings. So what what I did, I'm not sure. I'm no real computer-savvy guy, so I'm generally pencil and paper. What I was doing each week uh, when I was on top, I would go through every other team that was in the top 10. I would write down uh, 17 players they played that week, who they had out, who, who they had. I didn't find this out till a week later, as we know, you can't see yes, their teams. Yes. The following thing, but I would write down who they were playing, who they were tending uh, to put the captain on, the vice captain. So by the time we got down to the last four or five weeks of the competition, I I think I had a good idea of which tendencies, which way they were going to go with their players, which guy was more likely to put a risky sort of vice captain on in a Thursday, Friday, Saturday sort of game. So. I think at this stage of the season, the homework is the most important part, keeping an eye on what everybody else is doing around you. All right. Okay. I'll definitely keep that it's in mind. Work, yeah, it, it is. Pays off. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. Uh, yeah, it's just been those lucky times. Yeah. And you need the luck. In yeah, coach, definitely. You need the luck. You can, someone who says, oh, it's their skill that won on that, no. I mean, I can tell from this year alone, like, the amount of injuries this oh, week, yes. uh, this particular season, is like I didn't have that sort of luck or the, you know, that sort of wretched you know, luck in 2017. I had, and I don't think you can get away with it. Like, there's been so many weeks this season where I've had playing trades. I'm bringing in this player here and this player here, and then you lose two starters, and then you've got to weigh up: am I chasing money? Am I chasing points? Mm. I'm kind of lucky. I'm way back in the the boondocks this year. I'm. I think I'm ranked about 19,000 this year, so I don't have to worry about all these stressful things you're going through at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. Injuries, the players that are not injured, you know, it's just been ravaged with injuries and suspensions and COVID virus, you know, sitting out, resting, yeah. pl- resting Whoever players. Whoever wins the season, serves the coach has, has earned the coin this year. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. such a weird season, like, you know, Started off, then there was the break after two weeks. Yes. Then there was that big five track thing. It was whoever wins Supercoach this year, I, I dip my hat too because it, it'd be a really tough season to participate in. Yeah, absolutely. Just let's wrap it up here. So, what does the future hold for Sam Rolf? Mate, I'm a simple sort of bloke. I like my football, I love hanging out with my family. Um, my kids are all getting to the late teens now. My daughter turned 18. My boys will be 16 and 14 in a couple of weeks. So the next four or five years is just going to be dominated uh, hanging out with them, mate. I'm just such a family man. I can't wait to see what sort of adults they're going to turn into. So yes, simple bloke, mate. Love me footy, love me family, and that's pretty much me to a T. Awesome. For the people uh, watching and listening, uh, where's the best place to find you on social media if they want to see some photos or send you an email? I'm at um, I'm on Twitter at Banyo Boy. Uh, oh, yes. It's also my uh, super coach name. Okay. So, yeah, I've, I've had that for oh, as long as I've been on Twitter, I think um, maybe 10 years now or so, eight years. Um, 
so if anyone ever wants to jump online, have a chat, you know, I always, if there's anyone that wants to know anything about Supercoach, I love talking about Supercoach, so I could bend your ear a little bit too long sometimes. <laughs> to finish off, i just like asking a couple of quick questions, and you just give me your first response, random questions. Okay. Are you ready, Sam? Oh, yes, mate, fire away. Uh, all right, okay. So besides Parramatta, do you have a second team? No, not really. I pretty much follow them more equally, depending on how their supercoach players are going at the time. Yeah, that's just true. Who will win the grand final this year? Besides Parramatta. I'm hoping for, I'm hoping for Parramatta, but I, I, I'm going to go with Penrith. Penrith, yes. Yeah, so I, I agree. I think Penrith is a, a very good chance of playing very good footy. Who, who do you, in your opinion, who, who is the most gifted athlete in, in the NRL that you've seen, you've watched play? The most gifted athlete? There's well, the a top lot three. Top there. three. Top three. Top three. I'll go. I'll just put it down to the top three footballers. I'll mm-hmm. go James Tedesco. I'm not shocking anybody there, especially in Supercoach communities. <laughs> I'll follow that with Tommy Turbo, Tommy Traverovich. And the next guy I will say is Payne Hass. What mm-hmm. an individual. He, he's got to be one of the best athletes in the NRL. Definitely. What, what do we say in the, the Supercoach? Uh, he's a set and forget, right? You put exactly him in the... right. Yeah. See, these are all the things you have to learn once you start playing Supercoach. Yeah, you have to know right. all the acronyms, what pod and everything. Yeah, you know, like, right. It took so, me two seasons uh, when I first started playing because there wasn't as much information around back in those days. I had no idea what a break even meant or how yeah. to find it or how to calculate it. These yeah, are all things you have to find out. And the one thing that I've learned this year is they're saying unicorn points now. At the first, I was like, what the hell is a unicorn point? <laughs> And, you know, yeah, because of Tedesco. Yeah, the points go to the star players. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, they walk onto the field and they've already got 15 points on their super cage, right? <laughs> yeah. Teddy uh, is probably the, been the beneficiary of uh, unicorn points this year. And yeah. I dare say Cam Smith and Jonathan Thurston had a history of uh, unicorn points. Very, They're very lenient with their assists, tri-assists and... Yes, um, I was talking to Wilfred about this, <laughs> how they don't, um, uh, in Supercoach, uh, the, other, the other sort of fantasy game that they have, rugby league game, is they have kick meters. So that's why Cherry Evans yes. is so far ahead in that, that competition. But in, in the NRL Supercoach, Daily Telegraph, he's sort of mid, you know, mid to upper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just... And it's just a point of difference. Like, you, you don't want to have exactly the same points for both sort of competitions. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I like the balance of um, the way the points are given in both competitions. I always play um, the NRL Supercoach now. I used mm. to play, um, I think it was Dream Team. Was that the one we yeah, played? Yeah, NRL yeah, the NRL, yeah, the NRL one, yeah. Yeah, I, I used to play that one. I played it every year as well, but then... I think they did a bit of a change to their uh, pricing system. I think players' prices would change after a week instead of the, like the three weeks. Yeah, they they, they do it coach. after. Yeah, they do it after the first week. Yeah, so that's why you got to get the rookies that in there. That would make it very tough. Yeah, it that is would, very. It is for the players or the coaches that want to take a risk early as well. That's right. Yep. Absolutely. Tell me your three top favorite uh, musical artists. Going off topic. 
Oh, uh, my top three. Um, well, my favourite band, a band I've been following now for about 10 years, is called um, The Love Hammers. They're a band oh. from Chicago. If you remember a series about a decade ago, uh, Rockstar in Excess. Oh, yes, yes. Did you watch cool. when that was yeah, a long course. time ago? Well, the lead singer of the Love Hammers, Marty Casey, was the runner-up in that competition. And oh. I enjoyed his uh, music on the show. And I um, learned how to uh, download things on the internet back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of the Love Hammers music. Uh, apart from that, I'm just a general... Australian pub rock sort of guy. Chisel. All in excess, old chisel. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. The angels, baby animals. Yeah, come on. That's great. That's great. Bit of a- Akadaka. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, the grunge era was pretty big. You know, I was oh, yeah. through the grunge era. So Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Sandgarden, yes. those were all pretty big. Cool. What What are your top three actors? Tom Hanks. Uh, there's very rarely a bad Tom Hanks movie. Um, Agreed. My wife and I actually went on our first date when we saw Forrest Gump, so that, that movie helped. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, I'm a big Keanu Reeves fan from his Bill and Ted to John Wick characters all the way through. I've always loved these sort of movies. Did you see Did you see um, that the, they've got a new Bill and Ted coming out next month? Yeah, I've, I've only just seen <laughs> the uh, latest preview about, about a week or so ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll make all my boys watch the first two and I'll take them to that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just, oh, oh. All time. yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's, that's crazy. All right, Sam. Thank you very much again for your time. Thanks for sharing your stories. Good luck to Parramatta. If anybody's going to beat uh, <laughs> Newcastle, I hope it's Parramatta. Nah, not but, a yeah. problem, mate. Thank you for that. Come on anytime again. No, not a problem, Craig. It was an absolute pleasure, mate. Good All right. Good luck for the rest of your season, coach.